0: Greetings. On today's Truth Factor discussion, we're going to be jumping into Acts chapter 9, where we see an individual who had set himself to work against this new church that had begun a thing called the Way. He set himself to do all that he could to bring it down, to stop it. But he found himself confronting the Lord and being converted to the gospel of Christ. On today's Truth Factor discussion, Tom's going to be leading us through our study today. But before we do that, I'm going to have Paul, if you would, to tell you how you can participate in today's study.
1: I'd be very happy to do that, John. Uh, as we look at this, uh, you can watch Truth Factor uh, each week at, well, it's uh, we go through the times at the end, but it's at noon Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Uh, Central Time. And as you look at that, you might uh, want to see that. And so you go to YouTube.com/truthfactorlive, or you can look at it on Facebook. I'm doing a terrible job with this today, Facebook, and it's uh, Truth Factor Live also. And we also have Twitter and other social media that you can make use of. Uh, that is Truth Factor Live, or you can go over to the uh, page. Uh, truthfactor.com and click on live viewing page. We're really glad that you're watching today. And as you watch, you may have questions for us and you can send us a question at questions at truthfactor.com. That's questions at
0: truthfactor.com. John? Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. And I'd like to invite you real quick. If you um, do follow us on on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel. If you like the study and you'd like to be reminded of future studies, click the bell notification icon. And on Facebook, be sure to follow us. Tom, I'm going to turn it over to you, sir, if you'd like to go ahead and start today's study.
2: All right. Okay, well, well, thank you. Of course, this is one of those pivotal chapters in the book of Acts. We're actually in the middle of, of what we would call the transition section. And, and, and that's a section that goes from Acts chapter 8 through about Acts chapter uh, 11 or maybe 12. And, and remember Jesus over in, uh, in, in Acts 1. Uh, I talked about you'd be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost parts of the world. We're, we're dealing with the, uh, Judea and Samaria type of an aspect now and, and just the transitioning. And of course, we've been introduced to Saul, uh, as a persecutor of the church. And now we read about his conversion here. So I want to go ahead and get started in Acts chapter one. And we're going to start by reading the first eight verses. Uh, of this text, which finds Paul on the on the road to Damascus. And Sheldon, could I get you to read that for us? And you're on mute.
3: Sure enough, I was. Thanks. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and we'll start with, as uh, Tom had said, we'll start with verse 1 and read through verse 8. It says then Saul still breathing threats and murder uh, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, meaning Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem as he journeyed. He came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. All right.
2: Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you for reading that. So so here, here we find Paul. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, and incidentally, for those in the chat and so on that are participating and so on, we do have a chat room question. And, John, do you got that ready or somebody
3: got that uh, ready I'll, to post? I'll upload it for you there on Facebook and then I believe uh, truthfactor.com and then Paul is doing it on YouTube.
2: Okay, all right. Okay, well, anyways, the, the chat room question that we'll come back to in a few minutes is, in, in verse number two, by what term were the Christians called? And uh, and and there's just a couple of observations to make about that particular term. It's already been mentioned, but anyways, um, that's our chat room question for today. So, anyways, um, uh, what authority did Paul have, uh, and and where did he get this authority? Anybody have any thoughts there, or?
1: Well, what we talked about this last time, I believe, uh, Tom. And when we look uh, later on in the book of Acts, when Paul recounts this, uh, he mentions that he had uh, authority from the chief priests and the scribes to go and to do the things that he was doing. And so he had the, the Jewish leadership behind him in the persecution and execution of those who would be preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. and And, and I do think it's worthy to note with that particular statement there that, that it, the way that i describe paul here is he's going places you know this is one of those passages that seems to indicate he's gained the trust of the religious leaders um uh, and and they're willing to send him with authority to go basically arrest christians bring them back to jerusalem so that they can be persecuted in whatever way they're going to do it uh and and uh uh uh, it's interesting when you tie together some of the letters that Paul wrote about what he gave up—the Book of Philippians, Second Corinthians, uh, and other places—that just describe everything that Paul went through and and where he was headed. But he walked away from all of that. So so that's just the thing to understand about Paul. He he was he was uh, well on his way to prosperity as a Jew. On, and on this particular occasion, he's headed toward Damascus and he has a, these letters with him and, and so on to to take care of those who are Christians, both men and women, and bring them back to Jerusalem. Any other thoughts on that?
1: You know, I said something incorrect there, Tom, uh, just that uh, he was going to get those who are preaching and teaching the gospel. And certainly uh, this persecution went beyond the official preachers and teachers, uh, you know, like uh, here we find uh, Stephen that, that's being being persecuted. But he just says any who are of the way. I know that's a question that, that you have out there for discussion. Uh, but it's not just it's those who were associated uh, with uh, this teaching. Uh, and, and certainly we know that all Christians ought to be evangelistic in their their work that they do. They ought to be wanting to Share the gospel, whether they were very active in that or not, uh, we find that that they were subjects of the persecution that was going on.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 there's great things to be said about that. You know, just understanding, just understanding that being a Christian, it's more than just teaching others. We we, we emphasize the evangelistic aspect of it, and, and and I think we ought to because I I believe many. Uh, and even among us preachers, uh, we fall short to to a degree in in trying to do that to reach the lost. Uh, we could do a better job, uh, but but we also need to be careful not to overemphasize that. Um, there's uh, there's the idea of just serving God and just living the life of a Christian and, and being an example, which which by the way is the best way that you're going to teach anybody. So so here Paul has authority to to ca- capture both men and women, whoever. Anybody that professes to follow after Jesus and to bring them back to Jerusalem. So that's a good point. Any other thoughts there? Okay, if not, uh, what happened on the road to Damascus?
4: He was struck blind. There was a great light shone around about him, and uh, he suddenly uh, was blinded. And then a voice from heaven came ta- came talking to him and told him, Saul, why do you or ask him, Saul, why do you persecute? And Saul answered, Who art thou, Lord? Now it's interesting if you look at Go
2: ahead. I, I think Mike Michael's frozen here.
4: Go ahead. Am I frozen again? Who are yeah, thou but you're okay Lord? now?
2: Okay. Now. Who
4: art thou Lord? Or who art thou, Lord? And depending on where you place the emphasis, you, you get a little different dialogue with the question. The point is, Paul recognized that this was a supernatural power, if you will, that had blinded him. And now he has to answer for it. And he recognizes that this being, as we would say, a supernatural, this has to be uh, uh, of God or of Jesus. He felt that he had been doing God great favor by persecuting all this time, as he tells Annaniah or um, King Ripple later uh, that he thought he had done all these things in good conscience before God, so now he's answering for his deeds. And the voice simply said, "You're you're, you're persecuting me."
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And and uh, a couple of other things that we learn from this is as the Lord identifies Himself, you know, when He asks, "Who are you?" Uh, we now learn that I'm the Jesus that you're persecuting. And, and, uh, and we, we know that he sees him here. But, but beyond that, uh, 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 there's other things that happen in the life of Paul that we're not exactly sure how they happen, where he interacted with, with the Lord and he was able to with great confidence tell people that, uh, he, uh, that I saw him and that he's mm-hmm. alive. So mm-hmm. so there's there is a there's definitely something to be said about that. The other observation, you know, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, it is hard for you to kick against the goads as the New King James King James says as I understand uh and I was just looking at the New American Standard and that last phrase it is hard for you to kick against the goads is not in the New American Standard so uh, uh that would ha- that would be uh something to do with the various texts and and some of the earlier manuscripts, uh, I would assume doesn't don't have this particular statement in it.
4: Uh, but anyways, you know what's the idea of a goad? It refers back to the facts uh, on the farm. The fellow uses a goad to push the animals along. It's got its long sharp stick with a point on that end that that hurts. And if you jab it into the hinder part of that animal and it kicks against it, it just hurts worse. Yeah. Uh, Paul was kicking against facts that he was ignoring. The more he persecuted Christians, thinking he could wipe the world out of these uh, uh, this this way, the more there was to persecute. Have kind of an odd thing that he didn't notice it was still growing. And so when the Lord said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth whom thou persecuted," it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, the goats. Saul instantly falls down. Uh, in in trembling and uh, begs of the Lord, what do you want me to do? And uh, you know the the facts kind of hit him hard here. But he it, it's interesting to note that Saul was not disobedient to this heavenly vision, and he makes that admission later to Agrippa. I was not uh, disobedient to the vision, he says. So now he's he's learning from this persecution. He's got to stop.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. So, 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 great points there. So, so, we find here that uh, Jesus identifies himself, and and then then Saul asks a great question. You know, what do you want me to do? And and of course, the Lord's response. You know, go go into Damascus, and you will be told what you must do. And the other interesting observation is in verse seven, where the point is made that you know he was with a group of men. And they were speechless knowing that something spectacular had happened, but they did not have all the details that Paul had. We're told in this text here, they heard the voice, but they did not see anyone. So, so they, they heard something and we know from other texts that they did not even hear the conversation that Paul was having, that, that they, they just heard an audible voice and, and so on. But nevertheless, it, it, it got everybody's attention. And so Paul or Saul arises from the ground and he opens his eyes and and uh, uh basically he's blind or he he's he's unable to see uh, we'll find later on why uh at that time. And then he goes into Damascus and uh the the final question I have on this section is what are we told he did uh while he was in Damascus and for how long?
0: Well, When we read about
1: those facts, uh, Tom, it says he was three days without sight. He wasn't eating or drinking, so he was, um, you could say either he didn't want to or he was fasting there, and uh, he's praying. Uh, We we know uh, in looking at at some passages uh, that are parallel to this, and so as he's led by the hand here, uh, I think it is significant that he was already praying but he needed to hear things that he must do to be saved. Yeah,
2: yeah, ex- exactly. And and of course we'll get to that point in our next section and, and, and so on with our next thought question. So, so th- that's some observations to make about this particular section here. Uh, any other observations through verse number eight of this particular text? And, and actually uh, that question was in the next section that I had down here. So, Sorry.
1: uh,
2: uh, or it's also in this section here. Uh, any other thoughts? Okay, if not, uh, what about the uh, chat room question here? By what term are were these Christians called according to verse number two? Did anybody answer anything on that?
3: There is not on Facebook or truthfactor.com.
1: There just came in an answer to that on the the, uh, the YouTube channel. And right. so, uh, John, is it too late to bring that up or? Nope, here it is. Okay. Uh, Gregor Hinckley says, here we were, uh, called of the way. In Acts chapter 11, uh, we are first called Christians. Almost all were Jewish. Some thought Christians were a Jewish sect. And so that, that's an interesting observation. I, I had not thought of Gregor, uh, when yeah. you look at that, that, uh, that maybe looking at at Christians as being of the way that they are of some kind of a Jewish sect, uh, like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were of this way. Uh, But it's made very clear as we study along that they were not just a part of uh, Judaism, but this was something uh, that is a brand new covenant from God.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Great point. Uh, uh, Any significance to the uh, expression, the way in describing Christians? Where do you think it came from?
0: Well, Tom, obviously we remember what Jesus said in John chapter 16, I'm the, or 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, yes. And, and what we don't know is if this is what Christians were calling themselves, and therefore right. that's uh, that's how they made the association, or if it was a name given to them by the the people who heard them, maybe their detractors. Um, I right, can't help yeah. but think, but maybe that's, that was what they were calling themselves. Not so much that they were the way, but that they were right. worshiping and following the way. But that's, yeah, that's yeah.
2: all this. Yes. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. absolutely truth. And of course, there's another alternative and that's that maybe it was both. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they did identify and, and it, it, to me, it just kind of seems to lean toward that they were, uh, they acknowledge this. And, and one thing that this tells us is that it's obvious that one of the things that these Christians did is they used this expression. They yeah. talked about how Jesus is the only way. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 4 and in verse number 12, remember when, um, when Peter and John are standing before the council, there is no other way among heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And we're also going to find, and I'll just mention these verses, but as you keep going through the book of Acts, Acts 16 and verse 17 Acts 19 verse 9 and verse 23 and Acts 19:9 9, that's a pretty significant it uses the expression the way to describe Christians as well as 24 and verse 14 and then there's verse 22 so you have uh, that's just a handful of the verses that talk about the way uh, being identified as Christians and 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 it's a really a good description of who we are you know, because uh, or what we do, we're following the way. So, so any other thoughts here on this? And, and I want to thank Gregor for uh, for that, uh, for his comments and so on. And and uh, if there's nothing else, uh, just let's just keep moving. Uh, Acts chapter nine, verses nine through eighteen. We've already talked a little bit about verse nine, but. Uh, let's go ahead and read verses nine through eighteen.
4: And Michael, could I get you to read that for us? I'd be glad to. I'll read from King James. He was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord uh, and and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street that is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, or one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many of this, uh, many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But The Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Ananias went his way, entered into the house, And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received his his sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. Okay. Thank you for reading that, Michael.
2: Okay. So here we find that he was three days without sight and he neither ate nor drank while he was there. Uh, now, my question for the chat room is, at what point was Paul converted? And so that's an interesting one to give consideration. And also you might ask the question, uh, you know, where else do we read about this? So at what point was Paul converted? Uh, obviously that's a discussion in the religious world today. So so um, while you are thinking about that, let's go back and uh, just ask the question, how did the Lord appear to Ananias?
4: Well, they did this in a vision. Exactly. Much like the Lord had appeared to Peter. Uh, well, we're not there yet, but in the next chapter, he appeared to uh, Cornelius in a vision he appeared to Peter in a vision this was one of the ways the Lord allowed people to be stirred to do those things that they needed to do but it's also interesting Tom that uh, the Lord is not the one who taught the soul of Tarsus what to do that treasure was given into earthen vessels and so all the Lord could do was tell Ananias go do your job right yeah
2: yeah yeah exactly and it's just interesting that's just one of the ways that he appears and that, that's what he does he he tells him to go do your job as well that's a good observation there so now now the lord gives him this instructions and uh and and how does ananias respond and uh w- and when the lord gives him instruction, and, and along with that why was he hesitant to go
1: well he had, he had some reservations uh Certainly, uh, he doesn't refuse, but but he throws out uh, a concern about this man named Saul that his reputation had preceded him, uh, that it was well known that he was a persecutor uh, of the church. And so uh, when he's told that, uh, he says, now I've heard many things of this man, and he's done a lot of harm. Uh, his reputation is one of, uh, that he's a dangerous person uh, to have to deal with, and so I think uh, the idea might be kind of here. Are you sure this is what you want me to do, Lord? Yeah. Uh, are you sure this is, you know, really? This one? <laughs> is this the assignment I get? Uh, and so, uh, in fact, he talks about the authority. And, and this is a passage, us thing you have earlier. He has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And so I don't get the impression that Ananias is unwilling to be bound for the cause of Christ. But he just wants to make sure that, that what he's being instructed to do uh, and the danger that it may be involved is exactly what he wants him to do. And uh, the Lord gives a gentle answer to him. Uh, it's not a not a harsh uh, answer. You know, get up and get going. Uh, you know, don't question, you know, when you're told. Sometimes the Lord knows he always knows the heart. But as he knows the heart, sometimes he gives a more harsh answer. But here he, he takes time to explain to Ananias why.
2: Yeah. And, and, and that's a great point. And, and, uh, uh, you know, you could always bring up the discussion. Is it acceptable to verify, you know, a request that has been made even from God? And I think the answer is yes. There's nothing unreasonable about that. It, a lot of it has to do with your attitude. You know, uh, is the attitude one to really, I don't really want to do this. Or, or is it just a matter of verifying it? We have examples of that, like in the book of uh, of uh, uh, Judges, you know, where, where where some of the judges there asked God for verification. I think Gideon, uh, you know, uh, they they would ask for verification that it really was God. So, so that's not wrong within itself. It has to do with attitude. Just, just to you know, especially when it's something that's unusual. I mean, here, here, look at Saul. You know, this is kind of interesting. You have in verse 14, he has authority to bind all who call on your name. You know, I, I just can't help but wonder, and we're not specifically told this in the text, was Ananias actually prophesying to the people in Damascus or where had they heard that Saul was coming to arrest them? They were aware that he was on his way, obviously. And so... So uh, were they preparing for that in the first place A- and, and maybe kind of laying low? You, you know, sometimes when you know things are going to happen, the, the warning is, OK, you know, keep your eyes open, be wise as serpents and kind of, you know, lay low. Saul's coming and trying to find you. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, be ready for that and all those types of things. So, so An- Ananias is completely prepared. And, and, and then following this, as, as we just continue in this, uh, the Lord does give instructions, as you mentioned, Paul, there, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's a chosen vessel of mine, and, uh, uh, he, and it's interesting that the observation is made here that he's gonna go before Gentiles. And he's gonna go before kings and the children of Israel. And, and we don't have time, but you could go into a great discussion here on why Paul was qualified and why he was actually the perfect person, you know, in, in in all of Judaism, you know, in all of the converts of the first century, Paul was the perfect person to carry out this work because he knew he knew both sides, you know, from his education and so on. He knew Jews and he knew Gentiles alike. And and it's interesting to note that the, the Lord says that that Paul is not going to escape consequence for what he's done you know he's he's a, uh, uh, I, I will show him many things he's going to suffer for my name's sake and that takes us to a bunch of other passages uh, any other thoughts
4: on that yeah I was glad you brought that up about verse 16 Tom Saul's not going to get away that's not the right wording And the Lord's not trying to repay Saul with the same kind of suffering he'd administered. What it is, he's changing Saul's course of life here by allowing Saul to be converted, to see what these facts are for himself. And then when Ananias says to him, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, that's after three days and nights of praying. Obviously, he didn't prove some religions thinks possible. He was still in his sins while he was praying and to mm-hmm. arise and be baptized and wash away those sins. And then immediately he goes into Damascus proving this is very Christ. And so, uh, of course, this is the other account when Paul is reciting it, but proving this is the very Christ. And when he's doing this, he instantly begins to suffer by the very ones that he had once supported in this suffering. So you know he he's now not the administrator of the suffering yeah. he's the receiver of it
2: yeah exactly and and you do bring up a point that we need to we always need to remind ourselves of you know when when our sins are forgiven it's purely by the grace of god but exactly. sometimes there are consequences uh, associated with our previous life or 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 you know when we're engaged in sin there's consequences and sometimes we got to pay a price
4: Well, uh, I've uh, said it in in sermons for several years, Tom, that sin always leaves a scar. Yep. Baptism washes away the sin and forgives it. It doesn't take the scar away. Exactly. And and that's what we find with Paul and with the work that God's
2: going to give Paul to do. He's like one of the prophets of the Old Testament where the Lord, you know, comes to them. And, you know, what, what what I'm asking you to do is not going to be easy. Uh, and right. and and it's going yeah and and you're you're going to pay a price for this, but just know that I'm with you and you're doing you're doing what is the right thing
4: uh, well, Paul's and, and attitude, the honesty, we we need to add to that that paul said that he was he was pleased to bear the marks of the lord jesus so yeah oh, oh, absolute suffering that he was ashamed to take and, and and that's exactly that's exactly
2: right, and I think that's another reason he's the perfect candidate for this. So, so you have that. Okay, anybody else have any thoughts on that? Okay, well, well, if we don't, we find that, that Ananias enters the house, so he obeys the Lord, uh, you know, after getting this clarification and so on. He lays hands on him, and it's kind of interesting in verse 17, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to you to help you receive your sight, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I... I I just have a question for everybody. Why is it that he is referred to here as a bro- as a brother? You know, I mean, uh, the religious world they use that say say, see, Saul was saved on the road to Damascus. So, uh, why is he called his brother here?
0: The Jewish brother, more than likely. Yeah.
2: Exactly, and 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 that's the whole point. And I'm just bringing that out. Because that is an argument to be made, and, and a whole lot more could be said about that when we get into this discussion question. But the point is, is Paul was a Jew, and um, uh, here, here we have Ananias, he, you know, he's a fellow Jew also. And uh, 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 as such, they were brethren compared to the world. And, and, and that's terminology that we, even, we understand today, you know, sometimes you have people that you call your brethren, uh, and of course, obviously, as Christians, we're brethren, but 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 there may be circles uh, in your life that you that you are brothers with, if you will, you know, maybe you're part of some uh, a civic organization, you know, and, and, and you call each other brothers in in that situation and so on. Uh, but it indicates that any other thoughts there?
1: we can use that term in a lot of ways yeah, even in humanity you know that we are uh we and I'm not sure the Bible doesn't sometimes use it in that sense I think it's probably right that here he's he's talking about their their common heritage that they have uh but uh when we see this we're going to to understand that the kind of relationship they have but w- there's a sense in which we are all connected you know we're all uh of Adam's race, I think is the the phrase we sometimes use, and so just just a interesting point.
2: Yeah, 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 great point there. So, so, so we have that taking place. Uh, now, now we, we find that he he tells them There's a couple of other things he makes to him. He says, I, "I'm here, so you'll receive your sight." and and so that you'll be filled with the holy spirit and we've talked a little bit about the holy spirit and so on i think we're going to talk a little bit more about that in chapter 10 and so because of time's sake i'm just going to kind of you know uh perform the passover if i may you know <laughs> unless somebody wants to deal with it uh, but nevertheless what we have taking place here is the scales fall from his eyes he receives his sight and uh what is the first thing that he does after he receives
3: his sight? Well, he, he arose and was baptized. Exactly. He, he
2: now obeys the gospel. And, and, ha, and uh, uh, you know, and while since we've said that, let's go ahead and get to our thought question because it kind of leads into that, which is at what point, uh, what, at what point was Paul converted? You know, so when we look at that, and of course, the where else do we read about this in? And of course, I'm talking about the conversion of of, of Paul and so on. So, uh, what answers did we get in the chat room or did we get any?
1: We do have one from Gregor. I don't know if that's the one that we have up next or not, but he's, uh, Gregor Hinckley, uh, and we appreciate Gregor joining us. It says, the end of this phase of Saul's journey is baptism. After this, Saul's next action was to preach the good news. This infers that baptism is the start of a new life in Christ. Uh, I think that that's a, a good uh, assessment of that. Up to this time, he was in his sins. Uh, we know from Acts 22, he's told at this point to arise, be baptized to wash away his sins. And that's when he is ready to begin preaching the gospel. Exactly.
2: I, I, I had a helicopter just fly over, so I muted it here for a second. So uh, that's not unusual out here. Uh, so, I, I mean, and and that's the exact point. I mean, uh, this obviously is a verse to give consideration to, you know, in if you're discussing conversion and so on with other people. Uh, you know, we've mentioned a couple of things. There are people who argue that Paul was saved on the road to Damascus when the Lord appeared to him. Uh, and, and, uh, the, you know, sometimes we, we jokingly talk about how some say when he fell off his horse, you know, because there, there's no, there's no horse anywhere around there. But he was given instructions to go and wait and you'd be told what to do. Uh, Ananias appears, he's praying for three days, and, and, and first thing he does after he receives his sight is he's baptized. And what other account of conversion? gives more detail about this baptism or what other verse gives detail?
1: Anybody? Well, I, I mentioned Acts 22 a moment ago. Is that yeah. where, you're, where you're going? Acts 22, verse 16. Yeah, And exactly. I tells him, arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. I sometimes make the point that here was a man who had come to have faith in Christ already. Uh, this is a man who realized that the things that he had done were the wrong things uh, and that he needed to change his life. This was a man who was willing to yield submission to Christ. This was even a man who was already praying, but there was something that he must do. And, and even though he was already praying, uh, he was told that he had to arise and be baptized so that his sins could be washed away.
2: Right yeah yeah exactly and 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 really if you want to look at it obviously he already believed in the Lord he was definitely repenting and he even had confessed him you know what would you have me to do lord I mean he knew who Jesus was and he was uh, and and so he may not have used the words but he was and by the way that acts 22:16 a phrase that we have not dealt with is at the end of that verse it says arise and be baptized and wash away your sins Calling on the name of the Lord, and uh, uh, another interesting statement, and we can deal with that when we get over into Acts chapter twenty-two. But but clearly, it's at that point that Paul is converted, at that point that he is saved, his sins
3: are washed away, and so on. So so
2: good discussion there. Anything else
3: anybody has on that? Well, that, that's a great point that we need to, you know, we need to study with people because. When we look at a man like that, and like Paul mentioned, that had gone through all the things that he had gone through, well, that's even more than a lot of what the religious world today believes is necessary uh, to be saved. The simple acceptance of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior is usually what's taught uh, as enough to be cleansed from your sins. But here we have Paul who had even gone above and beyond just simply accepting him as the Lord. Uh, but yet still had sins that were present in his life from his past life, when uh, uh, we could say the life of Saul, not the life of Paul. Uh, and because of that, he needed to be baptized. And that's what washed those sins away. He he was still possessing those sins up until the point of of the baptism.
2: Right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point there, so. So, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and move on. We're going we're to try to get through this chapter today. I've got about 20 minutes left. So uh, let's go ahead and move on there to our next section. And Paul, I'm going to have you read for us verses 19 through verse 31.
1: I'll be happy to do that. We're in Acts chapter 9, and I'll begin reading at verse 19, and you said down through verse 31? Yes. I'll do that. Uh, the scripture here says, So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Okay, thank you,
2: Paul, for reading that. There's a whole lot in that particular section there. Uh, uh, and and uh, this is the events obviously following the conversion of Paul, or, or as I would describe it as Paul's early life. And, and, and a thought question that I have here, because we find twice in this text, I believe here, that Paul is basically disputing and proving that Jesus is the Christ, boldly speaking in his name. So I would ask the question, how does one prove that Jesus is the Christ? And I know that that's an extensive statement, but it would anyway, just welcome whatever thoughts come along in, in dealing with that as we get to that. So now getting back to our text while we're looking at while that's being dealt with there, um, we find that Paul receives his food and he is strengthened and uh, he spends some time with the disciples there in Damascus. So uh, what change in behavior do we find in Paul recorded in these verses, as opposed to before he was converted? I'd no, be interested in what the other
1: guys say, but I would I would say initially uh, an unbelievable change. Yeah,
4: yeah really, amen. Absolutely, yeah. it's yeah, just a hundred and eighty degrees from what he had been doing. He uh, yeah.
2: He had persecuted
4: Christians, and now he's trying to make them become members of the Lord's church. He's trying to convert them. Uh, He straightway immediately preaches Christ in the synagogues, right into the very place where these folks were worshiping and proves that he is the son of God. Those that heard him were amazed. They're, They're saying, hey, isn't this the same guy? That destroyed those that called on the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. And if he come for that intent, he might bring us bound to the chief priest. Is he to be a trusted fellow? But instead, increases even more in the strength of our Lord, confounds the Jews who dwelt in Damascus. And he proved again, this is Christ. It's, it's an incredible change.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what's interesting is we don't know how much teaching Paul has had on this. You know, I, uh, I, I kind of wonder, and I suspect that knowing who Paul was, that he had probably engaged in a handful of arguments about who Jesus was prior to this, and been, and you know, I'm talking about uh, opposing them, and 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 now obviously he's on the other side of the coin. And he is immediately, uh, immediately preaching and defending Christ. And I wonder how much of this involved Paul telling people about his conversion. You know, uh, what happened to him on the road to Damascus? We read about that twice more in the book of Acts. But I honestly, and this is a theory, <laughs> I, I honestly believe that Paul led. Off with that
4: account conversion a bunch well you know keep per- in mind, Tom, that he'd been schooled at the feet of him yeah. and he he makes the claim later in his life that he lived a life uh before God in all good it's obvious then that he is devoted to the scriptures he had looked at the scriptures before as one who would defend. The law of Moses, what we call Judaism, and so he defended that with every ounce of his being, now, finding that the prophets did indeed have a Messiah in mind, and that the one who had struck him blind and talked to him on this road to Damascus, this is Christ. He can't deny that. Can't deny it from the scriptures of the Old Testament. Can't deny it from his own life. Now it makes sense that these that he persecuted. Are the very ones that he should have been listening to, and so now he's growing in that strength. And I would be, I would contend that the brethren themselves are helping educate Paul. We got to remember also we don't have the whole story of what's going on here until you get over into the first chapter of Galatians, and a little later you find he goes down into Arabia for a while. He's gone for three years. Uh, we find in Second Corinthians where he caught up into whatever the third heaven is. There's lots going on with Paul, but the initial effect is the scriptures that he once discounted are now the very ones that prove Jesus is the Christ and Paul has to change. Yeah, abs- uh, yeah absolutely, absolutely. And, and and that's
2: exactly what you have taken place there. Good observation. Any other thoughts on that? Okay, uh well, the next question I would ask is uh uh, how did he leave Damascus, and why?
3: Well, I would say that, that he left uh, immediately. You know, it was it was not a a period of time that he spent there. He immediately left, and the reason being is because he had to go do what was told of him. Uh, we know that uh, when Jesus appeared to him, he said. Uh, go into Damascus, it will be told to you what you must do. Yes, that pertained to his salvation. You know, Ananias was going to come and tell him what he had to do uh, as far as having his sins washed away, but also uh, his ministry after that was told to him what he uh, must do. So I believe that Paul left immediately out of Damascus with no delay. And like the scripture says in verse uh, 20, that he began preaching immediately, began that ministry and preaching. Maybe yeah, to right,
1: answer right. more of your yeah. question, Tom, he was, in essence, run out of town. Yes. Uh, here we, we have him uh, to escape death because he has work. Uh, we know that Paul's not afraid to die, but he has work that he has been given to him to do, and he's going to be a witness before kings and, and rulers and, and all of those things. And so what we find here is that uh, they help him escape, the disciples do, by uh they're watching the gate every day all the time to see when he's going to come out so they can kill him this is the jews at this point uh, a little later on we read about the greeks they're they're wanting to kill him too but but he has multiple people wanting to kill him but here at damascus it's the jews and so some of the disciples lower him down in a basket so that he can secretly get out of town uh to avoid being killed
2: yeah and uh, and and that's exactly right it, it, it's, it's a hasty exit because of the plot against him. And when you think about why that plot was there, I mean, here Paul came with authority to persecute and arrest and do all those things. And now he's preaching Christ and, uh, something miraculous has happened to him. And there were witnesses of the miracle. And, uh, it, it was the same as Lazarus when he was raised from the dead in, in the gospel of John, you know, John 11. Uh, they said, you know what, we need to kill him. <laughs> we need to get rid of him. As long as he's around, we're, we've got a problem. I think it's the same thing with Paul. And, and, and I will tell you, as I've been studying to teach evidences in the near future, it, it, it's amazing it, it, when one honestly looks at Paul. The conversion of Paul is just a powerful, it's a powerful proof that Jesus arose from the dead. And that Jesus is the Messiah. And, and, and many skeptics have a problem dismissing Paul, you know, from a historical standpoint and, and, and so on. So anyways, uh, so we, we find this as he exits immediately or, 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 or he, he exits in a hurry, you know, from Damascus. And, and where do we find that he goes after that?
3: Oh, one thing, one thing real quick, Tom, uh, I uh, misread the scriptures there. So I really appreciate uh, Paul jumping in quickly <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and taking that question over from me because I was uh, I was reading too early in the text there. I uh, I was unaware that he was still in Damascus when he immediately started preaching. So I, I really appreciate that correction there. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. and And, and, and that's no problem. Obviously, he left in a hurry. And where does he end up? You know, he, he ends up in Jerusalem is where he ends up. And and we have an interesting verse that I think is worthy of giving consideration to where it says in verse 26, he tried to join the disciples there. And that word for join was basically a word that means to be added to or to attach oneself to. You know, we talk about people joining the church. And what we mean when we say that is a local congregation. and And I could... Uh, Time won't permit it right now. Maybe in a few chapters we can deal with it. But I I, I think there's uh, authority for for people joining local congregations, and I think it's what God wants us to do. And and Paul tries to do that when he gets to Jerusalem. I don't know how long he plans to stay there, but he seeks to join them. But obviously they're hesitant, and, and why would they be hesitant?
3: Well, because just before this he was trying to kill them for the work that they were doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They might not
3: know if this is a trick. I mean, this could be just simply a trick to get in there and arrest them all. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. And and where did Paul come from when he went to Damascus? (laughs) You know, he came from Jerusalem. So if there was anybody that knew Paul or Saul at this time, it would have been the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem or or, or the Christians in Jerusalem. They would have known exactly who Paul was or Saul. And they're hesitant. But how is it that he ends up Getting into their midst Who stood up for him
1: You know I think that would be a great Cliffhanger uh, Because we are going to uh, Be be out of time shortly I don't know yeah. we can do what you guys want But a great cliffhanger for Saul Being rejected at Jerusalem And how is he going to be Received uh, What do you think John
0: Yeah that would probably be A good stopping point uh, for today. Tom what are your thoughts on that? I, uh,
2: I, I think that's a good idea because uh, that way we can devote a little bit of time uh, a, a little bit of time to dealing with the last couple of sections here because there's important things here and another interesting thought about that is uh, we'll have a little bit of time next week to discuss in a little more detail the chat room question. You know, how does this prove one is the Christ? First of all, do you have any answers on that right now?
0: Uh, let me see. Yeah, we do At, We do have uh, two answers, um, two comments yeah, from Gregor.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and bring those in as we wrap this up then. And maybe we'll talk a little more about this next week and so on. Uh, so, so go ahead.
0: Uh, Gregor writes, proof requires that conditions are met. Gravity exists because things fall. Jesus met all the conditions that the Old Testament scriptures laid out for the Christ, the Son of God. And then he goes on and makes a comment about being about sinless, crucified, raised from the dead, as many others.
2: Yeah, I- exactly. And, and uh, those are all great points, Gregor. I mean, definitely things that we need to give consideration to. And, and obviously, Paul is reasoning as he's making these arguments and so on. So, uh, uh, great observation there. So, so with that in mind, we'll we'll just go ahead and we'll wrap it up for now, and and, and we'll pick up with this section here with Paul as he seeks to join the saints in Jerusalem next week. Uh, uh, so, with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you.
0: All right, Tom, uh, John,
2: wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think that'd be a good idea. Um, I've got I've got some thoughts that I didn't bring up because of time that we may talk about next week in regards to how we look at paul joining himself to the church in jerusalem and i I think i think sometimes with good intentions we have created a system that somewhat goes farther than what paul was trying to do there and um and we're going to talk about that more next week if if you'd like to but i have i have no other thoughts or comments let me check with the guys um let's start with you shelton any other thoughts or comments before we close You're, you're
3: muted, muted Sheldon, <laughs> again. Oh, I always do that to myself. No, I was just going to say I appreciated uh, Tom's work in preparation to lead the study this week. And uh, thought it I thought it was a good job. Can't wait for next week.
0: You know, it's interesting. Sheldon is pretty newly married. And while he's figured out how to mute himself, I don't know if he's figured out how to mute. I mean, um, I don't know if his wife has figured out how to mute him yet.
3: No, uh, she needs she needs one of these buttons on the monitor.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, do you have any other final thoughts or comments?
4: I appreciate today's study so much, Tom. Thank you for putting the outline together. It, it the the life of Saul just flows with with greatness and a conversion from absolute wickedness, uh, the chief of sinners, to now. Well, he he admits he works harder than all the apostles. It's a tremendous transformation through the blood of Christ. And I appreciate that. Let me put a plug in here. There's several people in this area that, that watch Truth Factor. We start a gospel meeting at Orleans Church of Christ coming this Lord's Sunday, uh, this Lord's Day, uh, through Friday, May the 3rd. Gary Fiscus, who works with the Church of Christ at Spencer. Uh, we'll be preaching that meeting we'll meet Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock be glad to have all of you come and be with us
0: very good Mike I appreciate you mentioning that and Paul do you have any other final thoughts
4: well I hope those that do watch this study
1: will come back next week because we've seen Paul escape for his life having been converted to Christ and begin preaching and here he escapes uh, the attempts to kill him at Damascus and then he flees to Jerusalem And there, the disciples won't even believe that he's been converted. And
0: uh, come back to see what happens next. Mm All righty. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you uh, closing us out with that. Lord willing, we'll be able to continue our study in Acts chapter 9 next Wednesday. And we invite you, if you're available at that time, join us live. That'll be at 11 o'clock a.m. Central Time. That's 12 noon in the Eastern Time Zone.
1: 9
2: a.m. Pacific time.
3: Oh, and what is mountain time? We don't have either of our mountain time guys on here today. (laughs) 10. 10. 10 o'clock mountain time.
0: Boy, it gets complicated each week, doesn't it? That's right here (laughs) at live.truthfactor.com. Have a wonderful week.